listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 RJ, on a day in which we've got multiple running backs in different situations in the NFL when it comes to a contract extension with their current team, and NBA playoff action, the matinee edition inside the bubble. What is the uh, Vegas lead here on a Tuesday? Well, I always like when I make a late-breaking decision, and I'm changing it up. I'm going with the Big Ten, college football, President Trump. I have a feeling, if I had to bet right now, oh, I don't know. Would I bet at 50-50? If you gave me (laughs) two to one, if you gave me plus 200, I'd bet we get Big Ten games this year. And even three days ago, I don't think I would have taken seven to one. So I think there's a surge and we should examine it. Yeah, President Trump called Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren earlier today. According to the president, it was a positive conversation. They felt like they got a lot of things uh, dis- uh, discussed on the table. They got a lot of things settled. And according to Dan Patrick, Fox Sports Radio host, in talking to a source that if all their safety measures needed can get in place and they can get that stuff done, that October 10th is the target date for a potential start of the Big Ten season, and of course, because it is 2020, we've seen varying reports that have shot that down and also shot down the optimism showed by the president earlier. So just to be clear, Dan Patrick, the Fox Radio host, not yeah. the lieutenant governor of Texas. No, no, yeah, Fox okay, Sports because, Radio host. Yeah. You know, again, you never know. Um, one, I'm not sure, and I'm not saying that anyone said this in particular, but if you look at what Trump said, Trump said he thought the conversation went well. Yeah. Obviously, uh, it's his ability to, by fiat, to wave his hand and say, you guys are playing. It's just not, you know, we're not a, uh, you know, we don't have a king, queen. This is, you know, elected officials. And it, it makes sense that Trump's politically makes sense he's getting involved. Because think about it. Let's say this thing does happen. October 10th, maybe it's November 1st, but there's a Big Ten season, and Ohio State, for example, has a chance to win the national title. Trump gets a ton of credit. I mean, just massive. And in a lot of states that matter, Pennsylvania, obviously, Wisconsin, and when I say matter, I mean for the presidential election specifically. They're contested states. If it doesn't happen, which I still think is probably... 65%, 65%, maybe a little more. He looks like he tried. He got there, he got optimism. The surge in optimism just today benefits Trump. And then if it doesn't happen, oh, it's the you know, guys and all the pencil net geeks and the you know, got the abacuses out like Fezzik and they just couldn't figure it out. So to me, politically, it makes a ton of sense why he got involved. I believe though. This gives, and I want to get your thoughts on this, this gives the Big Ten an out. Because I didn't think it made any sense, and let's go back and do a very high-level TikTok for a second, is there was the big move over the weekend, uh, weeks ago now, in which it was talk about the enlarged hearts and some after-effects of this kind of virus, potentially in young people. And all of a sudden, it went to... Sunday night report, Big Ten's not going to play. Pac-12's not going to play. Then there was a big pushback Monday morning, you recall. And then I think it was Tuesday evening, 
Big Ten had a, a meeting scheduled, and yeah. they were going to potentially back off. One of the options was wait three weeks and make a decision. They decided, and it made no sense to me other than let's get this story over with. We don't like the story, so let's say no and forget about it. Other than that, it made no sense. They didn't wait, but they voted, and it's been released now 11 to 3. 11 said, no, let's not play. Three said, yeah, let's play. Oh, by the way, the Ohio State University was one of the three to say yes. And she's been the, – the president now has been out there every cha- – I mean, she's on public access, I think, in little AM stations saying, I voted yes, I voted yes, because you would lose your job there, right? Of I mean, yeah. So isn't it interesting – and we'll talk about this, about Michigan saying no. Michigan says no, we don't want to play. That's it's fascinating how you got the football side and then you've got the academic administrators who are looking to build like an Ivy League of the public school mentality with with a Michigan. And it's a great academic institute. I mean, not so good at football, but a great academic institution. I wonder, does Trump getting involved, the president help the Big Ten to say, you know, something We can backtrack here because it strikes me if the vote was held today, should there be a season? Do you think, Jonas, there's any chance that the vote would be no in the Big Ten? No, I think it would be voted yes. So why not take the opportunity? It doesn't look like you're backtracking as much as the president is asking us. So we took another look. It's going to be difficult because this news broke late about all the good medical reports. And again, I'm not in a position to judge exactly how good it is, but it seems like the trend line is really good. Yeah. It feels like this is viable. I mean, I don't know how anybody watches, say, Hard Knocks and sees all the protocols that those players have to go through in order to just get out there and practice and think, nah, it's not safe to come back to work. Michigan did 822 COVID-19 tests on their football team in the month of August. There were zero positive results. Zero out of 822. Or as you would say, 0.0, RJ. (laughs) But I just, I look at it and I go, the chancellors, there was this 11-3 to vote, and that was from the presidents and the chancellors of the university. Universities. But a few days ago, there was an article that came out, I think it was on Omaha.com, in which it said that all 14 athletic directors voted for a season. So the athletic directors wanted to play, but it was the chancellors and presidents who stepped in and said no to all this. I feel like there's momentum. I just... They, they threw out the November uh, Thanksgiving start date, which to me doesn't make any sense whatsoever because your season would still be ending in January. It, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But this October 10th start date does, and I think there's time to get it done, but it feels like we're in right about now, within the next week, they got to come to a conclusion or a decision in some way, shape, or form. And listen, world, if you think you're going to put something in Omaha.com and it's going to slip by Jonas, <laughs> it's not. It's not. Don't even think it. That's Jonas Knox. I'm R.J. Bell, straight out of Vegas. So, to me, though the president obviously is a PR guy, he's thinking about this politically, I think it may offer a real opportunity for the Big Ten to reassess. Can you imagine, Jonas, if things keep trending well, and I think we all wish for that health-wise, is it's November and you're not playing football? It's terrible. I mean, it's going to look really bad. I mean, talk about uh, ice-cold takes. Final thing in college football, we got a release 
of the favorites to win the national championship, college football, Clemson favored plus 200, 2 to 1. Alabama 3 to 1. Georgia 4 to 1. And then it's a drop all the way to Oklahoma 12 to 1, Florida 12 to 1. So it's Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Oklahoma. Where's Ohio State? Ugh. No Ohio State Buckeyes. <laughs> That's the current favorites to win the college football national championship. Oh, by the way, I do like to, you know, when it's a story I like, I read kind of deeply into it, or, I, you know, not like your level at Omaha.com. <laughs> but I actually read in, at the bottom of one of these articles, it said, and this is hilarious, it says, um, uh, oh, there it is, is at the very end, it says something along the lines of, when asked at the Pac-12, did President Trump want to talk to the commissioner? And they said, we have not heard from him. So <laughs> it's, like, it's like the Pac-12 is just hoping someone asks them to play. But again, politically, the states that are in the big, you know, California, for example, Oregon, yeah. Trump's not winning anything there. So all of a sudden, football on the West Coast, it doesn't mean quite as much. Well, and there just hasn't been I haven't look, I live in Pac-12 country. I haven't heard anybody, you know, uh, going to to big to Pac-12 headquarters like they're doing in the Big 10 or having parents or players file a lawsuit against the conference. I haven't heard any really outrage from people here that that want to get this changed. There's former players that are out here, there's former pe- players that are on the air out here that have talked about it, but I haven't heard anything from parents and players that that have been demanding it like the Big 10 has. I agree, and and Colin says this all the time. It's where does it matter more? Yeah, and that and it's like anything else, right? You're, the car has a flat tire. It's a foot of snow. Do you get to that place or not? And the Pac-12, they went back to sleep. Now, the SEC, they're there, and in the Big Ten, they're looking out the window, saying, "Is there going to be a snow day or not?" You know, just hoping yeah. it's just a two-hour delay. I don't know if you had two-hour delays, <laughs> but we used to. And I used to love them, but I wanted a snow day. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, Seattle is next in the countdown. Let's get Fezzik. He doesn't have a strong opinion, but he's going to talk about Seattle and their over-under win total. Let's listen. My number eight team, Seattle Seahawks. I lean under nine and a half wins. Seattle went 11 and five last year, but boy, were they lucky to do so. Seattle had 11 close games last year, decided by one score, and Seattle won nine of them. No way they should have won that many. They should have won about six. That would have made them a 500 team, and that would have been consistent with their overall statistics in terms of from a yards per play perspective or from a points scored perspective. They and their opponents were pretty much equal over the course of the season. So why is this not a best bet going under 9.5? Strength of schedule. Last year, Seattle had the hardest strength of schedule in the NFL. This year, an average strength of schedule. That should get Seattle one more win. Further, Seattle has upgraded their defense. Specifically, safety Jamal Adams comes on board. Because of this, just a lean under 9.5 Seattle Seahawks. That's the way a pro thinks. at stevefezikpregame.com. And... The way a pro thinks is, okay, how good was the team last year? We know we can look at the newspaper and get the record. USA Today, perhaps, if you're back in 1998. (laughs) But the fact is, the record is deceiving, especially in a short 16-game season. Seattle stats were worse. 
And thus you think, okay, they shouldn't have won as many games as they won. Now have they improved? I will say this, Adams, I mean, the amount of positive feedback that trade has gotten after the first responses, it was a lot of, oh, my God, they gave up a lot. But from within Seattle, and I heard John Clayton talking on this, they are ecstatic about what he's going to be able to do with the Seahawks. So Fez says, lean under on the season win, but we got a bonus. Here comes his prop best bet on Seattle. Prop bet, DK Metcalf, over 875 reception yards. The trend line is up on Metcalf. He was a rookie last year out of the University of Mississippi, and Metcalf improved throughout the year, such that in the second half of the year, his production was consistent with that of a wide receiver that would get 1,000 yards over the course of a season. And I expect Metcalf in his second year to continue to improve on that production such that he will go over 1,000 reception yards. With this number at 875, too low by the bookmaker, best bet, over 875 reception yards, DK Metcalf. It's a pretty good pick from Fez there. A lot of logic there. So Metcalf, you can bet (laughs) receiving yards on the season over 875. Jonas, uh, what's your one main factor you think Seattle sees in this year? Well, as far as Fez goes, the fact that he called it Mississippi and not Ole Miss kind of bothers me a little listen, bit. But, if he, you know. Listen, if he gets if he gets through without like saying a curse word or, you know, accident, we just got to celebrate. <laughs> um, I, look, I think Seattle's got the best quarterback in the division, so I always would lean towards a team like that to, to win the division. I just look at the NFC West, and I just think it could go several different ways. I don't know what to make of the Rams. Um, Seattle, yeah, Jamal Adams was a big Big deal, but I still think talent-wise, I don't know if they're – I don't think they have more talent than the 49ers. I'm not sure they've got more talent than the Rams, and I don't even know about Arizona. I just think they've got a great quarterback. Rams, I think, are interesting. In the in, um, I think the coaching staff, I think McVay, their nose to the grindstone like we've never seen, yeah. and I think that bodes well. I also think they're in cap hell and that – you know, this Ramsey trade uh, was an all-in last year. You could make the case this year is like a, a last year they could do something until they the, the contracts start to be a real problem. So I think you're going to get a motivated Rams team at a minimum. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. So, RJ, we've got a Game 7 set for tomorrow inside the bubble in Orlando after the Oklahoma City Thunder down three games to two in their series with the Houston Rockets got a 104-100 win last night. A lot of people predicted, Jonas, you wouldn't show up for work today. (laughs) They said that that just coincidentally when Houston loses – because for the first time in two years, you took you took a shot at me. Agreed or not? I, I, I don't believe I took a shot. <laughs> but, you, know, I mean. you were up 2-0. I had OKC. Now, listen, you're still favored, buddy. <laughs> and it was like a veiled shot. I mean, it was smooth as silk. I mean, Kissinger style for the kids out there. Look it up. <laughs> but, but I think that it is going to come back to haunt. I think Houston, I, you know, let's be honest. Dan Tony might lose his job. Daryl Moore, he might lose his job, and it all can because Jonas Knox finally got snide. Yeah, that's I mean, true. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Here's the trend, and I had a feeling on this because the instinct, or at least the narrative, with D'Antoni teams, with Harden especially, is when you have a seven-game series. And think about this. During the NBA regular season, 
They don't play any team seven games. Doesn't matter, division, whatever. And now you're playing them seven straight, potentially. What happens is you get familiar with the other team. And if you got a good coach, you make your adjustments. And then the coach on the other side adjusts to those adjustments. And oftentimes the best coach has one last, you know, you think about Popovich at various points. He'd make an adjustment in game five or six, and there wasn't a counter. So familiarity can really hurt certain players. The defense just gets better guarding the team the offense are familiar with. Now, on the other hand, let's say a winner, Michael Jordan, he was so physically gifted, especially before the last three titles, where he was you know, gifted but not quite to that jump out of the gym. Sometimes in these game sevens, it was give the ball to the GOAT and he'll jump out of the gym. And sometimes there's no, or oftentimes there's no stopping that. And that's why you'll see the teams with the highest ceilings are the ones that often win in the NBA playoffs because of this adjustment that happens each game along the way. So Harden and their offense is so simple and it's so, in a way you'd say one dimensional. I'm not sure that's the exact right word, but it's, it's certainly predictable compared to other offenses. Well, in theory, by game seven, by game six, it's going to be super predictable. So how is D'Antoni's teams done in game six and seven? And if you look at games six and seven, NBA playoffs, last seven times D'Antoni's teams have faced a game six or seven, 0 and 7 straight up, 0 and 7 against the spread. Wow. Last time they won one, and this is D'Antoni now, May of 2006. I mean, that was over 10 years ago. <laughs> and I'll tell you right now, Jonas, that makes sense to me. The logic of the predictability of Houston and how it wears thin as the series progress. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think it makes sense as well too. And and I just you just watch Houston late in the game, and even though Houston's got more talent than Oklahoma City does. I just felt better about Oklahoma City being able to get a basket than I did Houston. And that's with one of the great scores the league has ever seen and one of the great athletes and and players that we've seen in the past several years and Russell Westbrook it just something just doesn't seem to mix well there especially late in games. Well, listen, if you would have called me up, I would have explained how it's not always about talent. <laughs> but but again, we'll see. So, I also think this. People are often handicapping games by saying this team's going to be motivated. It's a must win. And I agree that if the choices are motivated because it's a high stakes game or some level of indifference, eh, you know, I'd rather have motivated. But if your two choices are motivated, but a normal high level game, but Hey, it's normal versus motivated, but there's a lot of jobs on the line. The pressure's even higher. Legacy's on the line. You don't think Westbrook is thinking legacy? Yeah. And to me, that's a negative. When you when both teams are properly motivated, where they're motivated enough to care, any other pressure on top of that is a net negative because it's not helping your motivation – and what's it doing? It's potentially causing uh, stress 
pressure. And you see that, especially with an outside shooting team. I mean, think back. And I think that the listeners are thinking about just a shot after shot Houston took against Golden State. Uh, I mean, old time fans can think of John Starks against the Rockets and, you know, on the Knicks and Riley is just miss after miss. It's hard to shoot from outside if the pressure's on. I mean, and that's why for a long time, and Colin was at the other place, I think, or he might have just came over to Fox, but, you know, he kept saying Golden State cannot win a title. You know, a jump shooting team cannot win a title. And obviously the game has changed, but I don't think the concept has changed that it's harder to shoot from outside when the pressure is at its very highest. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.